0: The scripture reading this morning is found in uh, Hebrews 4, verses 14 to 16. Hebrews 4, 14 to 16. Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly into the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. The question comes to us, what's more important than eternal life? Is there anything you can think of on this earth that you have or would hope to have, that would equal eternal life? Is there anything at all? Just bow your heads with me before we begin this morning. Eternal God, I ask you this morning to push the speaker aside and let the words of Holy Scripture come bounding forth from the book, the great book, the Bible into the hearts and minds of those that are here. And I ask us in Jesus' name, amen. Came across these words some time ago. It's hard to erase them from the mind. God will ask you just one thing in the judgment, and that is, what have you done about my son? What have you done about my son? Since I came across these words, I realize that our standing before God in the final judgment is a situation where it is personal between myself and God. My eternal life hangs in the balance as I answer this question to my God. What have you done about my son? As I contemplated this question recently, it was the same time that I decided to go through the book of John and find the special text there that talked to me about eternal life, eternal life with Jesus my Savior. Gospel of John is full of wonderful encouragement as I contemplate this theme. What have I done about God's Son? This morning I would purpose to discuss this in a way of increasing our faith that will lead us to eternal life. I invite you this morning then to go with me on a journey in the book of John and find the pinnacles of Scripture that tell us about eternal life. Some of these stories you've read and heard many, many times, but let's look at it with a different perspective this morning, focusing on what Jesus said about eternal life. We do not have to read very far to come across the first of this wonderful, inspiring words. We come on our journey through John to chapter 3, and we pause there for a moment or two. One of the greatest chapters in the Bible about salvation, the scripture narrative tells us about the theologian, a mighty teacher and theologian of that day, coming secretly by night because he was afraid to come in the daytime to meet with this teacher of Galilee. The theologian started the conversation with words like these, Jesus, we know you are a teacher sent from God. We know that. But Jesus did not let him get very far with that line of thinking. He tells him immediately, To see the kingdom of God, Mr. Theologian, you must be born again. It is like the breeze and the wind. You don't know where it comes from, and you don't know where it goes. That is like the Spirit of God, Mr. Theologian. He told him that the Son of Man came down from heaven to this planet. He told him the Son of Man would be lifted up on Calvary. And then he pointed to the Old Testament, just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness. Then Jesus started talking about eternal life with these words. Whosoever believeth on Jesus would not perish, but he would have eternal life. For you see, Mr. Theologian, God loved you so much and this whole world that he gave his son, that whoever would believe would not perish at the end of life, but would have the everlasting life. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already. So there's the focal point, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God, John three fifteen through 18. Then Jesus finishes the chapter with these amazing words. He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life, and he that believeth not on the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God imbideth on him, John three thirty six. In these verses, if these verses were all at the Bible that we had it would be enough. To believe is more than just an intellectual agreement that Jesus is God. It means we must put our trust and confidence in him alone who can save us. It means to put Christ in charge of our present and future destiny, even in the tough times of this life. We must realize eternal life with Jesus means a life without sickness, without evil, without Enemies without death, without disease. And in these verses, we have a guarantee, a guarantee of eternal life with our Savior. John chapter 3 is a mighty chapter in Scripture. We would do well to have it wash over our minds often and take hold in our hearts of these amazing promises of God. So we are reminded that the question that we started with, God asked us only one question in the judgment. What have you done about my son? Secondly, now we come to John 4 to find glimpses of eternal life from Jesus' own lips. Our next reference then is eternal life found in John chapter 4. This is one of the great stories in the New Testament. Jesus had been traveling and walking all day with his disciples. It was evening time and he was tired and he stopped to rest at a special well. You know, Jesus didn't have to go that way. It was a God appointment, a heavenly appointment that he had that day with this woman. It was shorter to go another way, and Jews didn't typically go through Samaria because they hated each other. But Jesus had an appointment, a divine appointment. It was evening time, he was tired, so he stopped at the well. This was the second place, this was a special place in Samaria because it was known as Jacob's Well which takes us back at least 3,800 years back to the time of Jacob. This moment in Christ's life links us back to that Old Testament, nearly 4,000 years to the story of Jacob in the book of Genesis. Jesus was thirsty after walking all day, and he was tired. So we pick up the story in verse 5 of chapter 4 of John. Then cometh he to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near to the parcel of ground that Jacob, Left to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied with his journey, sat thus on the well, and it was about the sixth hour. Then cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus said unto her, Give me to drink. Then said of the woman of Samaria to him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask me of a drink? I am a woman of Samaria. For the Jews have no dealing with the Samaritans, as though Jesus didn't know that already. Jesus answered and said unto her, If you knew the gift of God and who it was that was talking to you, give me a drink. Then you would have asked me, and I would have given you living water. Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. And whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him or her shall never thirst, never thirst again. But the water that I shall give you shall be in you, a well of water springing up into, guess what? Everlasting life. The woman saith unto him, Sir, give me of this water that I thirst not. So Jesus had only known this woman a few moments and he offered her... He offered her eternal life. Jesus spoke of living water and links it to eternal life. Jesus seeks to change us on the inside where our deepest motives are, where our mind and deepest thoughts are. I believe this is a reference that has something to do with the same water as spoken of in Revelation twenty two one, And he showed me a pure river of water of life. Can you see it now? Clear as crystal, proceeding out of the throne of God and of the Lamb. This is a word picture for us of the mighty, all-powerful God, and from his throne flows eternal water that Jesus linked to eternal life, right here with this woman. The woman at the well answered the question, Very well, what have you done about my son? For she fled from the scene into the city, told everybody that would listen, and the whole city came out to hear this man that had living water. One of the greatest evangelists, not only of the Bible, but of all time. What evangelist can you think of that invited the whole city, the whole city to come and hear the gospel? We next go to John 5 and 6. This is the third example now of eternal life. We do not have to go far in the search for another reference to eternal life. We find it in chapter 5. The scripture tells us Jesus went up to Jerusalem and while there he went to the pool of Bethesda. This was a pool that drew, according to verse 3, a great multitude of impotent folk, blind, halt, withered, waiting, oh, waiting to be healed. This story tells us Jesus saw there a certain man who had been ill for 38 years, Jesus simply asked him, Wilt thou be made whole? And then he said these amazing words, Rise up and take thy bed and walk. And immediately the man was made whole and took up his bed and walked. And the same day was the Sabbath. Now the Jews and Pharisees immediately accused Jesus of breaking the Sabbath and were so angry they set about to do what? to kill him because he had healed a man that had been sick for 38 years according to scripture when religion goes wrong it is the worst possible hatred known to mankind and we see that demonstrated right here so jesus preached then a sermon that made them even more angry during this sermon he said these words in John 5 verily verily I say unto you he that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath present tense right now hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation but is passed from death unto life what a guarantee of eternal life don't you love it will you ever forget John 5:24 from henceforth what a promise we have gone from death to life we have everlasting everlasting life now no matter what brings uh, comes upon us on this earth we have everlasting life it is not only a promise in the future we have it now this is like this is not like holding sand or water in your hand and watching it slip through your fingers Eternal life that Jesus offers, if we do not accept it, we simply do not have it. Jesus says, If we hear His word and truly believe it on Him who sent Jesus into the world, we have eternal life. We have it right now. The impotent man that was healed that day he took up his bed and walked along rejoicing, thanking God for His deliverance from 38 years of agony and misery did answer the question what have you done about my son unfortunately the pharisees that day gave the wrong answer and they tried to kill jesus fourthly we come now to john six in john six we find our next wonderful reference to eternal life jesus had just fed the five thousand Men, There were, of course, many more than 5,000 there. You realize there were many women and children. This was an amazing miracle that day, feeding this vast throng of people recorded in John's Gospel, Gospel chapter 6. After Jesus had spoken to the people and fed them through a miraculous event, he sent his disciples away on a boat across Galilee. And Jesus stayed behind. The disciples went out on the lake they had been on so many times as fishermen. And they were caught up in a major storm, and they feared for their very lives. They looked out over the waves and saw a man a man walking on the water, and they were frightened out of their minds, according to Scripture. Jesus, understanding their fears, simply said to them, "'It is I. Be not afraid.'" It is I. Be not afraid. Have you heard those words in your life in the tempestuous times? The astonished disciples witnessed another miracle with Jesus. This one event alone helps us to understand that God is in charge of everything in the world and everything in our lives. Our job is simply to trust him. Slowly, after this experience, Jesus told the disciples and the Jews surrounding him, I labor not for the meat which perishes, but for the meat which endures unto everlasting life. Here we have it, eternal life. Which the Son of Man shall give you. Did Jesus say you must work for it? That will give you. For him hath God the Father sealed. Sealed. Now here we have a double promise. Not only are we promised eternal life, but Jesus says that God the Father will seal it for us. These words point us to Calvary. The meat Jesus is talking about is his death for us and our acceptance of that gift which guarantees us eternal life. Jesus drives it home even more forcefully a few verses later. And Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger. Never hunger, Lord? Ever? And he that believeth on me shall never thirst. Really, Lord? Never thirst again? This is further reference to that eternal life-giving water and living water that comes from the throne of the universe. That's so eloquently spoken of in the book of Revelation. These words again promise us eternity. This chapter of John six is one of the great chapters in Scripture. Again, before it closes there are a cluster of wonderful texts of promises You guessed it, of eternal life. And this is the will of him that sent me that every one which seeth the Son and believeth on him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last day. Oh what a promise. Then another one, no man can come to me except the Father draw him, and I will raise him up at the last day. Should we go to sleep before Jesus comes, we have promise after promise in Scripture that we will be raised because of the power of Jesus himself. This is the bread that cometh down from heaven that a man may eat thereof and never die. Again, I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If a man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread that I will give him is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world and to every sinner who ever lived. Our part is to answer the question from God, what have you done about my son? Our fifth promise, John 10 in chapter 10, it tells of Jesus walking into the temple and out on Solomon's porch. Then came the Jews around about him and said unto him, How long do you make us doubt? If you be the Christ, tell us plainly. Jesus answered, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give unto them eternal life. Would you believe it? Hear those words again and I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. Do you feel? Do you fear the power of Satan? Sometimes we do. Jesus says right here, no one will ever pluck you out of my hand if you're trusting in me. Oh, what a promise that is. If you had one verse out of this Bible and nothing else... This reminds me of the story of the prisoners in the Vietnam War who were there. Sometimes known as a Bangkok Hilton. Only it was the opposite end of a Hilton. Hot, humid, terrible weather. Rice that was full of bugs. Just a situation that was absolutely deplorable. Some of them wounded. No medical care. They started thinking of they started thinking of hymns from their childhood some of these men hadn't sang a hymn since they were five years old something in their minds reminded them of some of those words like amazing grace from john newton what a friend we have and some of the other songs from their childhood they started writing little sentences on pieces of paper putting it through the cracks to the next prisoner in the wall. Finally, after years of this absolute torture, they all knew they were going to die with the treatment they were getting. And finally, the Red Cross, I believe it was, got a Bible into the camp for them. What would the guard do? They had it like two hours that they could have a Bible, and the guard would come and put his elbow down on most of the Bible and be there the whole time with it. They, they could hardly read. But what they read encouraged them. They started having little church services. And finally, those prisoners were released. And what a story it is. If the only thing they had was the verse we just read, then that's enough for salvation, is it not? Chapter 11 is another one on eternal life. The story of Lazarus, you've read it so many times and heard sermons on it so many times. Let's look at it from a different prism this morning, a different perspective. The Bible suggests that Jesus had a special relationship with Lazarus and his sisters, Mary and Martha. Jesus was traveling on foot and received the message that Lazarus' sisters, that Lazarus was very sick. Amazingly, Jesus answered them back and said, This sickness, can you believe this, is not unto death. But for the glory of God this has happened, and the Son of God might be glorified thereby. So you're deathly ill, and Jesus simply says, Well, don't worry, this is for the glory of God. The scriptures tell us that Jesus purposely waited a number of days after this message he had sent back to respond in person. During that time, Lazarus died. The disciples were concerned, and Jesus then told them plainly, Lazarus was dead. But then he said some startling words. I am glad for your sakes that I was not there to... The intent would be that you may believe. I'm glad I wasn't there, so that now you can believe about what's about to happen. Jesus was here setting the stage for his greatest miracle while on this earth. Just before he raised Lazarus from the dead, he said these eternal words. Jesus said unto her, Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? The miracle was done to give all future generations of Christians the exciting belief that we too can and will be raised from the grave should we fall asleep before Jesus comes. We can know that we have eternal life. That's what Jesus was saying. I can only believe that Lazarus and Mary and Martha and many others that day who witnessed this miracle answered the question that God asked them, What have you done about my son? We come number seven now to John 17. In this chapter, we find Jesus giving a sermon and a prayer to his disciples and to the future believers until the end of time. That would be for us today. This is just hours before Jesus went to the cross. Let us read from the scripture these life saving words in John 17. These words spoke Jesus and lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour is come. Glorify the Son. That the Son may glorify thee, as thou hast given him power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life. You've heard that word before this morning, haven't you? Should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. And this life is eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. Within hours of these words, Jesus was hanging on a cross. Because of your sins and mine. So how do we get eternal life? Jesus spells it out clearly here in these verses. By knowing God the Father through Jesus his Son. Eternal life is having a personal relationship with Jesus. Not just knowing about him. Having a personal relationship with him that shines out to other people. When we admit our sin and turn away from it. Christ's spirit lives within us and shines out from us by the Holy Spirit. And so in our journey this morning through the book of John, we have reviewed scripture that tells us Jesus wants to give us eternal life. It is my belief that we do not think of eternity and heaven often enough as we face our tribulations and our trials and the things that come to us that seem impossible to solve. We are so bogged down with our problems and trials and tribulations on earth here that we often fail to stop and realize that we have, as spoken from the lips of Jesus, a promise of eternal life. We will be in heaven soon. We will live with the Christians of all the ages of time. The blessed hope will come alive one day when the trumpet sounds and we will look up and welcome our Lord and forevermore leave this world behind. I shall pass through this world but once. Any good, therefore, that I can do or any kindness that I can show to any human being, let me do it now. Let me not defer or neglect it For I may not pass this way again. You know, many of us have heard thousands upon thousands of sermons. Some of them we seem to forget with our finite human minds that we have. Some of them we seem to forget almost before the next week. But there's a few that I've heard that still ring in my mind like a bell. This was the theme of one I heard many years ago from a mighty evangelist. He was talking about salvation and eternal life. And he said these words, Salvation is in the air if you just reach out and take it. I leave that with you this morning Is my prayer. Amen. Our closing song is five seventeen. Five seventeen, our my faith looks up to thee. Can we all stand? So Father in Heaven, we're so thankful for the words of Scripture. In our days of agony, sometimes in our days of fear, you have said so many times to people in the New Testament, fear not, be not afraid, for I am with you. Lord, help us each one to hold on to those words and help us to hold on to the words this morning we've heard from Scripture about eternal life, everlasting life, over and over and over again. Jesus gives it to us if we will but trust him and love him with our entire heart and soul. May each one here this morning experience that, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.